Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Elixir Fountain. I'm your host, Johnny Wynn, and we are back with news and interviews from around the Elixir community. Have you signed up for the Erlang Ecosystem Foundation yet? You should. The Erlang Ecosystems Foundation's goal is to grow and support a diverse community around the Beam ecosystem by encouraging continued development of technologies and open source projects based on and around its runtime and languages. Find out more at erlf.org. That's E-R-L-E-F.org. Today, I'm very pleased to have with me a special guest, Erlanger at Cisco NSO Core, Victoria Fordish. Greetings, Victoria. Hi, Johnny. It's very nice to be here. Awesome. Well, so where are you at now? Are you are you in Stockholm? Yeah, I'm in Stockholm in the great apartment that I have. <laughs> Enjoying the lovely summer up there, right? It it never yeah. gets dark. <laughs> yeah, it never gets dark, and now for a week it's it's kind of hot, so it's uh-huh. really cool. I think it will last for another week or so, oh, wow. <laughs> and then this is the end of Swedish summer. But well, you know, only a couple of weeks, right? That's all you get. <laughs> Exactly, but you should enjoy it until it's lost. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, we we, we ran into one another at the um, uh, Codebeam Stockholm, which used to be the uh, the uh, Erlang User Conference, uh, and it was great to meet you. Uh, you did an awesome talk on thinking Erlang and problem solving. Um, one of the things that really I got kind of curious about is like I know you you mentioned that you've been in you got involved in Erlang in two thousand and ten. Is that correct? Yeah, it's correct. So what were you doing before that? Oh, well, so I was a PHP programmer, to be honest. (laughs) Don't worry, (laughs) we're all friends. I used to be one too at one point. (laughs) I mean, PHP is a really nice language, but I think it's a big difference, the two, Erlang and PHP. But yeah, that's my dark past. (laughs) <laughs> what, so did you go straight from PHP to Erlang? Oh, well, so it was that um, I was working while I was studying in the university. And then the language that I used uh, used to work in was PHP. And, and then there was a, a very interesting class at school. Um, it was... Mm, specification uh, of uh, distributed systems and I really enjoyed that and and I was you know that was the time when I had to look for uh, a topic for my bachelor thesis and and I really liked the teacher as well uh, she's a lady her name is uh, Malinda and and I was like, hmm, I would like to do something with, with distributed systems. And, and, and we had a small lab exercise there where we implemented a distributed system. It was in C++. <laughs> and, and I really enjoyed it. I, I, I got such a rush of like, oh, my God, it's faster if it's more node. And they are talking and I can add more node. And it's all great. <laughs> <laughs> It was really cool seeing that, you know. I mean, finally, something is not sequential or so. And, and then I asked her, like, do you have a topic for me? I really enjoy concurrency and so on. And she was like, yeah, sure. Um, and, and what language would you prefer? And I was like, mm, you know, this C++, this was nice. And she was, no, no, you don't work in C++. So, <laughs> And I was like, okay, what do you suggest? Have you ever heard of Erlang? And I was like, uh, no. 
what if I say no? So listen, here is this book, and I got uh, Francesco's book, and, and she said, read it during the summer and then join my class next semester about Erlang. And then I did that. I, I really enjoyed reading the book, though. Uh, I, I, I did some, you know, these two examples. And, um, and then I joined the class. It was even better. So then I did my, my bachelor's thesis in Erlang. And, and it was in a project. So it was um, a software technology lab, which had an industrial partner as well. And, um, and there I did a web-based user interface for a tool called Refactorer. This is a static um, source code analyzer and refactorer tool for Erlang, written in Erlang. And, and then it was, it was really cool. I enjoyed it. And yeah, I, I got my bachelor and then I continued my master at the same university. And then I got a scholarship from them. So then I was working in, in, in that software technology lab. And then that scholarship turned into a full-time position. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right, so wait, wait so, hold on. What university was this? <laughs> I want to go. Yeah, so, so I'm Hungarian. So it, is, it will be a very lovely name in Hungarian. Utvish Lorand University. And um, so it's in Budapest, in the capital, next to the Danube. It's it's really cool place to be. I bet you yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, if you're right there on the Danube. Uh, yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm curious about that too because so many of the universities in the states, because uh, I've tried to talk to a few of them, they're they don't really go into things like. Yeah, and as soon as I say this too, uh, this recording is going to go out, and I'm going to have hands up all the time. Well, my university did mine, <laughs> but <laughs> it seems like a lot of them they don't get into that. They teach, you know, the I think Java. Uh, some of them, I remember there was big a lot of COBOL classes at the university in uh, Jacksonville because that was what the companies that were hiring people that's what they wanted them to learn is that because they had all these old systems uh, that, that were running COBOL. And so they were trying to get people to learn that and go through that. And then they got into Java because it was a lot of companies that wanted Java. Because uh, I know we tried to get them to do uh, Ruby classes and the CS department didn't want to have anything to do with it. They were like, no, there's not enough companies here in Jacksonville, which was where we were at that want that so it doesn't make sense for us to do it um and so hearing a university actually have an erlang class is awesome yeah i know but you know my university was uh, was uh, more more focusing on on the theory like so i i have more like a mathematical degree than engineering degree oh, nice and and so functional programming comes then very natural to the university. And, and so we had Haskell classes, we had clean classes. It's, it's another programming language, a functional one. And, and those were, were mandatory classes. And then, then we had uh, Erlang, but that was like, you know, you can go there if you want, but that was, was not mandatory at all. Well, how do you, so I'm assuming you, you were in R&D at the university. Yes. And, and then you moved to Cisco after that, or was? Oh, it was a longer journey. Oh, okay. 
yeah, well, so I, 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 I left my, my PhD position and then I went to the university to work full time there uh, as R&D uh, in Erlang, in that same software technology lab. That was a really cool two years. So I was working with the refactorer project. I worked on other EU projects as well. So, you know, those are um, scientific projects where you try to, to figure out new things that the industry can use and, and academia can use. So, yeah. And, uh, but I, I was mostly working on refactorer, uh, producing different duplicated code uh, detectors for Erlang and, 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 and writing papers about it. And then, then I was thinking that hmm, I could try a bit more industry, you know, because this was still academia where, where I was. And, and then I went to, to Erlang Solutions. So I worked in Erlang Solutions for, for two years or more. And I worked on the Wombat project. So, oh, nice. yeah, I've, yeah, I've used Wombat and uh, a couple of projects and, and it is a very nice tool set, um, you know, being able to monitor the, uh, the remote nodes, you know, your, all your applications, uh, it's, it's almost like giving a super fancy observer across your remote uh, instances. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. And, and, you know, I, we used it while we were developing Wombat. So we were monitoring Wombat with, you see. And then, and then when I left Erlang Solutions and then there was no Wombat, then I was missing it. So it, it becomes very natural to use it. And then you are like, okay, now I need to use Redbox there. I need to look into processing for here. I need to write some code to collect metrics. Oh, what about the alarms? And then, and then that, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But essentially, you just rewrote Wombat after you. <laughs> I had the idea that all com company has their own Wombat. Everybody implements some monitoring, right? You don't want to be blind and, and, and stay in the dark. You yeah. want to know what's happening in your system. So, Well, especially with Wombat, like, you know, use it. And, and, and I'm, I'm not being paid to tell about Wombat, but, you know, one of the, one of the things. <laughs> One of the things that was really nice is like it would help you identify, you know, a lot of times you can, you can identify bottlenecks in your system using it uh, because you can have a better insight in the messages that are being passed in production type environments. Whereas, you know, what's, what is the process actually doing? Where are the delays and things like that? Where, you know, debugging that locally isn't always an easy thing to do. But Wombat really kind of does give you insight into what your processes are doing in a production environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Wombat is my baby, so I was the the technical lead on the project. So <laughs> it's it's really close to my heart. Well, I yeah. tell you what, I really I've benefited from it tremendously. I think it's a great product. So you did awesome, yeah. on that <laughs> Well, so you, a lot of what you do, I mean, I would assume with R and D, it's kind of interesting because. Uh, you, you know, the R&D approach to things, it's all about like solving problems and kind of researching the theoretical, you know, potential of something. Um, and so what is it about Erling that you find perfect for that or a good fit for that? Hmm. Well, let's see. 
don't say this, Entax. <laughs> <laughs> right now, there's a bunch of Erlang developers cringing. Ah, oh, they mentioned Syntax. <laughs> I don't actually you mind the Syntax. So you know what? I kind of like the Syntax. Mm -hmm. Even though I had to spend, like I think, two, three weeks of trying to get used to it. <laughs> But like once you're started, it's once you get used to it, it, it isn't bad. Like I don't mind the, the Erlang syntax. Not to not to de derail that, but yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, yes, yeah. But you know, syntax is I think the least important part of a language. Yeah. Well, so what is it about Erlang that that makes it good for these kind of problem problem solving? Oh well, so I think it's you can very quickly do prototypes. And, and, and those prototypes will not be just toy prototypes, they will work. And, and I saw it already that sometimes prototypes then reach production because it becomes so good that, that you just <laughs> don't want to touch it. <laughs> you see? I, I've, had, I've had many times where I'm like, no, 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 this is a prototype. This is not supposed to go to production. Oh, so can we just roll it out? No. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, you can always say that that uh, your software is always a prototype. It's just evolving, right? Well, so what kind of what kind of problems do you see it? Obviously, for you know designing distributed systems and things like that. But like, are there other types of problems that it's good for, uh, especially from an R and D perspective? So let's see. Um, hmm. You know, it, it's interesting. It's, it depends on the use case, right? But, but Erlang is kind of like a Swiss army knife. So you can use it for a lot of things with the exception of number crunching. And you need to have a stuff that, that, uh, that is able to develop in Erlang, that, that sync in Erlang, right? But hmm, what else should I say? Let's see. I think it's... It's, it's really good when you need to implement protocols, like communications. It's really good when you, when you need to parse protocols. I mean, this is what it was designed for, right? And, oh wow, fault tolerance, hmm? That's, that's a big thing there, right? And, and I really like the location transparency as well, so that I, I don't need to I can you know defer the the decision of of hmm, how many nodes will I have where will these processes running and so I I can kind of defer that for a later uh, stage and I can <clears throat> reorganize my system and and then you know the Erlang applications that you have those are like the building blocks of of your software and and it's really cool because you write one application and then you use it in this project and then you use it in yet another project and then you can just reuse it and it's so nice to do that as well i think the only times that i've run into issues it, it is almost like you when you're using erlang or, or elixir and you're and you are trying to prototype or kind of research something and you're wanting to deal with something that um you know, definitely can work in a distributed fashion. It is almost like you're writing a potentially production system mm. from the get-go. Uh, and I talk, you know, a lot to 
you know, companies, especially like if, if you're on the consulting side and it's like, well, you know, it used to be, well, Rails is good enough and to get you up and running. And I'm like, well, so when you talk about like Elixir or, you know, there's, you could even do it in Erlang, um, you know, doing the same project instead of prototyping with Rails, prototyping with Elixir. And so you have that scalability already built into it. Like you're already going to be able to handle that size of production. I mean, yeah, there might be some tweaks here and there, but it's nowhere near like having to do the same thing and say Rails or another another language. Okay. Yeah, that, that, I think that's really cool that you can scale horizontally, right? I mean, it's amazing. And, and it really comes out of the box, like naturally, which is, I think, it's, it's amazing. So the inventors of Erlang did a very, very good job. <laughs> it's almost like they knew what they were doing. <laughs> Well, I, I think one of the, you know, one of the nice things about uh, probably the, the environment that they get is for one, you know, for one, they were in an R&D department. For two, they worked with Erlang, even from the creation part of it, but they worked with it for years prior to it becoming open source. So, you know, where a lot of language, like when you look at Elixir, Elixir was open source from the beginning. And so it can be scrutinized before it's ready. Where Erlang allowed, you know, that time under test and being put in production systems and run and, you know, refactored and, and kind of refined, by the time the world got the knowledge of it, it had already been battle tested. Like there was, yeah, there was things that needed to be improved and stuff like that. But for the most part, it was a strong language ready for production systems. Yeah, true. It was. And, and, and then it, it, it was luckily started to be used, right? <laughs> because I mean, it's it's like with all new things that you have a momentum, and then if people doesn't start doesn't bite, then oh well, that's it, right? Then then you are out of the market because I mean there are so many programming languages coming in day by day, and then what sticks and what doesn't stick? That's a that's a good question. I don't know how is that, you know? <laughs> well, that's, I, I, you know, not to get us completely off the Erlang topic, but yeah, I've been kind of, I, I love Elixir, I love Erlang, I love the community, but uh, I'm always interested in kind of exploring some other things. Um, and like PureScript is something that I've been kind of looking at a little bit and like, you know, just to kind of see what it's doing, you know, just to try to get a different idea of something, you know, pure script seems to be a kind of a newer thing, or I guess it's probably not that new, but, you know, based on Haskell and, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's just interesting to me to kind of get different perspectives from different languages. And I think that's really kind of how it, it almost makes it easier. If you kind of look at other, if you get so much in a bubble with a language that you don't see other things, around you or other ways to implement things i think it really kind of stagnates you over time like your 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 creativity gets stagnant your curiosity gets stagnant um i think like a perfect example of that was i went to a meetup a few weeks back maybe even a month or two back now it was um it was a javascript talk on implementing graphql and kind of the tools that they use to implement graphql 
interfaces with JavaScript. And it was interesting to see how they approach the problem, how they approach the solutions, um, and how that differs from things like, like Absinthe and um, Elixir. You know, so I think that it's, it's important to, as much as we you know, love the ecosystem, the Erlang, the Beam, uh, you know, it's always good to kind of push those limits and kind of see what else is out there and see how other implementations are happening. Yeah, I'm completely agree. I think it's very important to keep an open mind and, and learn. I mean, we are learners, right, from day zero to the end, at least I consider myself. Definitely, definitely. Well, now speaking of learning, um, when you got on, because I, I was kind of curious about this. So when you got on to Cis at Cisco, were they using Erlang at the time and wanted to bring you in? Or was that something that you um, were kind of bringing with, the, or bringing with you to them to kind of introduce to their groups? Oh, no. Oh, well, I would be very proud if I would be bring, if I was the one that brought Erlang to, to Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I just joined a very great Erlang team there in Cisco. Well, so, I, I'm curious. And the reason I asked that is because, you know, it's kind of been mentioned several times over the last six months. Like a lot of companies are using Erlang but they're Erlang or Elixir and they're, they're not talking about it. They're, mm -hmm. they're kind of keeping it under wraps, you know, they, and for whatever reason, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's some, you know, some will say, well, that gives them a competitive advantage. So they don't want anybody to know that they're using it. And some, you know, uh, it, it's just kind of curious to me, like how many companies, how many big companies really are using it? Yeah. That's a good question. I guess it's 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 more and more, and and Elixir I think helps a lot. Yeah, I think Elixir is is doing a really good job of kind of bringing it more to the forefront um, and making it more accessible. Well, one of the things that Cisco's done recently, which is really cool, is they they've become a founding supporter of the Erlang Ecosystem Foundation. Why was it important for Cisco to do that? Hmm. So, I think there are multiple reasons for that. Uh, maybe the first one is that, so I work in, in the old TLF office. So that was acquired by, uh, by Cisco. And TLF was from day one uh, Erlang, an Erlang user. So that was a Swedish startup. They were acquired uh, five years ago. So then, with the acquisition of TLF, Cisco became a big user of Erlang, right? So, so we have the people that are interested in the Erlang community. And well, before um, Cisco started to support the Erlang Ecosystem Foundation, they were already part of the Erlang Industrial User Group. So, yeah. So it's it it has a it has a history I think, and and well we we want to give back to the community so we want to support projects that uh, that benefits the whole community you know, and um, the other thing is that with the Erlang Ecosystem Foundation, it 
that's that's more inclusive right because that in, involves the elixir community as well so that that's that's super nice because something finally unites it right so we have the the uh, the big foundation i'm personally really happy about it and i really hope that this is going to be a huge success and the driver of changes and Definitely. Well, and I think it's important to see big companies like Cisco contributing uh, to the community as a whole, because especially if companies are taking advantage of the language uh, for their own systems and their own development, um, even if it's only from an R&D perspective, you know, showing that commitment to the community as a whole, I think is really important. And that's that's how we sustain. Um, I think yeah, those talks, you know, this is a few years ago when I first got into Elixir community and we'd go, you know, I'd go to like Erlang conference talks and they were much smaller community, very strong uh, community, but a, a much smaller community. And a lot of, you know, they didn't understand or maybe they did and they didn't like it, but they didn't understand why bringing more people or making more exposure is going to help in the long run. And then, the thing is, is if you want to be able to do this for 10, 20, 30 years, um, you need to grow the community because the more people using the language, the more sustainable it becomes. And it actually, that's the only way bringing new people in and um, having more companies using it, more companies say they're going to use it, um, you know, is the, is the only way to keep the life cycle of the, uh, of the language and, and, you know the community growing exactly exactly and 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 i think as every community you being part of a community you 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 benefit from the community right but but you give back to the community as well so it's it's i feel it like as a very natural thing that that uh, that we help each other well now I do want to mention that you don't, you're not just contributing to the community through talks and things like that. You're actually the chair of the Erlang workshop coming up, right? Oh, yeah. It's going to be in 18th of August in, in Berlin, in Germany this year. I'm Are tickets still available? Excited. Say again? Are tickets still available? Oh, yes. You can, you can secure your spot, of awesome. course. Yes. Awesome. So it is. It is a one-day uh, long conference, but it's a part of uh, of a bigger one, of a one big long conference. So the big conference is called the International Conference of on uh, Functional Programming, and and yeah, awesome. and then there is the Erlang workshop, and we have very interesting papers. So one paper that I'm well, paper. So this is a, a scientific uh, conference. So you you first submit papers, then those gets reviewed by at least three uh, reviewers, and then if you got accepted, then you can present your work. And then this is published by ACM as well. So so you can read the publications, and then and then you can attend the talks and. And you know these venues are really nice because it's a very friendly environment. We have a lot of time always for discussions, and and there are discussions. It's it's a very inclusive environment. People feel safe, and and uh, 
I saw already partnerships uh, growing from the, from that moment that they met at the conference, which is I think it's really cool. It's mostly academical conference, but uh, for instance, this year we have um, one, two, we have three three industrial papers. So we will have three industrial talks and and we will have academical talks as well. But those are not not super theoretical, you know. So there is one that I'm yeah, so my favorite one. It's uh it's the tools supporting green computation in Erlang, which is which is I think it's very interesting because with uh, with IoT, you know you will start to have again the small devices. And then the small devices will have battery. And now the question is question of how, how much energy you consume becomes very relevant, right? Because the less you consume, the longer you, uh, your device can run with one single battery. And then uh, the, these people who wrote this article, they claim that they have a way to, to minimize uh, the energy consumption of, of Erlang programs. And they even give you refactorings and tools to, to, to turn your own program to, uh, to become more energy efficient, which is, I think it's awesome. I mean, this is, this is a very nice example to me that shows that, that research can have immediate impact on, on industry and on the people. Right, because usually people see that in the uh, research is like it's so far away. It's it, there is no immediate results. You don't really know. It's it's not straightforward to use it. But 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 this one it it, it, it sounds like so. I really look forward for that talk, for instance. Awesome. Maybe I have security related papers and so yeah. It sounds like an awesome conference. I really do, uh, you know, it's things like that where, you know, you can kind of see where the limits have been pushed to, you know, see what the experimental stuff is coming up with. Um, I think, and, and then, you know, I think that there's a time and a place at every conference for, you know, maybe somewhat, I guess, practical implementations, you know, or, you know, practical uh, applications of the language and things like that. but. You know, pushing the theoretical side, pushing the hypothetical side, you know, like yeah. it's it's that curiosity, I think, that so many of us had getting into development to start with, you know, yeah. um, and, I, and I'm sure that uh, different people got, have gotten into development uh, and engineering for different reasons. Uh, I just I know that like that's that was something that was important to me was the curiosity, the exploring, the the trying to find better ways of doing things. And so, you know, it sounds like attending a, an Erlang workshop at a conference like this is definitely going to, you know, I, I would highly, I, I would highly recommend it if you're, if you're able to get to it. And you said it was August 18th? Yes, August okay. 18th in so, Berlin, Germany. So yeah, in Berlin. So if you're a listener out there and you definitely check that out. Well, Victoria, uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to the show before. Have you ever listened to the show before? And of it's okay. Course. You won't hurt my feelings if you haven't. <laughs> of course I did. It, it, and if you like it, 
then it's Elixir Fountain. If you don't like it, then it's one of those other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> We're all friends. Um, it is funny that like, you know, we have all these like different podcasts and not even just across the, uh, uh, the beam, but, you know, even in other industries, like we're all friends. Uh, you know, we all talk on a, on a pretty regular basis. So it's, it's, it's it, for listeners out there that think that there's some type of competition between there's, there's really not, we're all, we're all good friends. But <laughs> that being said, it is time for the all important five behind the code. And that's where we ask you five questions that have absolutely nothing to do with programming. Are you ready for this? Oh, of course. <laughs> All right. I'm curious, you know. <laughs> well, you know, you work in a lot of theoretical stuff. Uh, so theoretically speaking, uh, what would your dream job be? Hmm. I should have prefaced it with, what would your dream job be if engineering was off the table? Oh, now that's getting more interesting. Hmm. Okay, I need to see. I have a few. <laughs> <laughs> so you suffer from the same problem that I have. <laughs> the problem isn't what would the dream job be, it's how many can I do? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, one of my, my uh, one of the jobs that I was dreaming when I was uh, young, like 15 years old, it was to be an orange picker. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, then you can get all the free orange oranges you want, right? I mean, you just you want an orange, you grab one. Yeah, I always imagine that job <laughs> that that I will just calmly take the oranges, then go to the beach, then that's <laughs> <Yeah>. a <laughs> bit, and then I will go back to work. So I I imagine that they will not pay me by the number of oranges that I collect. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is funny how like when you're kids, you think of the craziest things. And I, and, and I know that I had some too when I was growing up, but I do, I always remember my daughter. <clears throat> I had uh, one daughter, because I have a lot of daughters. I had one daughter that wanted to be um, a pizza delivery person she thought that was gonna be the coolest job and i have to say i was a pizza delivery person for a while and it is a pretty cool job <laughs> i mean you get to ride around in your car listening to music you know that people tip you know it's kind of nice <laughs> awesome. i did have another daughter that wanted to be she wanted to work at uh subway as a sandwich maker because she loved cool. eating Subway, and so she had the idea that if she grew up and worked at Subway, that she could eat sandwiches all the time. So, um, oh, that's yeah. nice. That, that, that's cool. Okay. So, <laughs> but yeah, as a kid, you think of the, like these crazy jobs, right? So, well, oh. that that brings us around to the second question, <laughs> and, and it might actually be that being an orange picker is not the greatest thing. But here's the question. What opinion or view of the world you had as a child changed as you became an adult? Oh, repeat the question, please. <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a wordy one, isn't it? So yeah. you know, when you think back to your kid, kind of the way you saw the world, you know, the way, you know, your opinions of the world um, that you had as you grew up and became an adult, what's one that changed that, that you could remember? Hmm. 
Okay, so I always pictured myself that I will be serious. So I didn't want to grow up. Mm. That, that was one thing that I, I imagined that all, all adults are serious. So I was like, oh, I, I, I don't want to do that. Then, <laughs> then I had this idea that I will move to, to Sweden. There was once, I think there was one year when I was 12 years old, that I was really convinced that Sweden is the best country in the world. Now, the funny part is that now I live here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is it the so, best country in the world? I really love living here. I think it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I saw something on the, um, the internet, on the, on the Twitters. It was uh, some guy was complaining about Sweden and how he couldn't stand. I get, I'm assuming he lived in Sweden. It was one of those where somebody had taken screenshots of, of, uh, tweets. And, uh, it's like, first he's complaining about Sweden. He's like, that's it. I want to move to Norway. And so he moves to Norway and he's like, Oh, Norway is way better than Sweden. And then like the next tweet is, Hey, I just got a letter in the mail that I have to join the military because every male and female adult in <laughs> Norway has to be two years in the military. What the hell is this? I need out. <laughs> Oh wow! It's like uh, information. Sometimes, sometimes the grass is not always greener on the other side. <laughs> oh yes. So, wow. well, and my son too. When uh, he loves playing baseball, and I was talking, I was like, you know, when you grow up, if you if you really practice and really work hard, you know, you could be a baseball player. He's like, no, nah, I don't. I don't want to be a professional baseball player. I was like, really? Why not? He goes, well, because there's too much yelling. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like what he's like yeah the coaches are always yelling at the players i i just don't want to be yelled at all the time I was like, okay fair enough um all right so next question who was the most influential person on your life hmm. okay can i say two no only one no yes of course you can say two <laughs> Okay, so the first is my mother because um, so she raised me alone and 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 she taught me that that a woman can do anything and 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 that that you know that that was I think that was a big gift from her because we we never had we lived in a family house and we never had this thing of oh this is a a masculine task because you know it's two women so so I was. Uh, Moaning the lawn or <laughs> or anything, and and I think that that helped me a lot because now I'm working in a mostly uh, male-dominated uh, world, and and I don't feel bad about it because I I I don't see the difference. So I only feel that uh, that I work with good professionals and I try to be a good professional as well. So, so I think that that uh, that was a big influence on me, and and the second one is is of course Melinda Todd uh, from from the uh, my university who turned me from PHP to Erlang. <laughs> and she is really a, now a very good friend of mine, and, and well, I learned from her a lot uh, how to handle uh, conflicts, how to to debug Erlang codes. She was the first one who taught me how to, to debug. And, um, and yeah, and Erlang. And 
I think she is a really cool woman. Uh, I admire her. Awesome. The last question is, if you could be anyone for a day, who would it be? I would like to be my cat. Can I be my cat? <laughs> yes, you can be your cat. <laughs> yeah. All right, I, I can't top that. That. <laughs> I think my wife would say the same thing too. She she's like, yeah, I'm totally a cat person. Um, as long as the cat could read, because then she could just lay around and read and be a cat all day, and she would be like happy as could be. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, they look always so comfortable, relaxed, and then I really like that that thing with cats that you know they they can be. Uh, there is a time when they are super smart, and then and then they become super stu- stupid, smart, stupid, <laughs> smart, stupid. <laughs> so great. And then I would be allowed to do that. <laughs> exactly. Well, Victoria, it was awesome having you on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, to meet with us and and it's it's been great and we look forward to the the Erling workshop coming up august 18th and seeing you around the community oh well thank you very much johnny i enjoyed talking with you it was awesome and i hope i will see you soon awesome. maybe you come to berlin <laughs> maybe maybe we'll see <laughs> it's short notice i don't know if i can get that worked out but we'll see all right all right talk to you soon thank you Thank you.